welcome in to episode 42 of the Breathing Orange Fire podcast. It's Andrew and Gabe with you again. Gabe, um, how are you doing today, sir? I'm good, man. I'm actually super excited about this podcast. So I am too. This podcast, um, we're going to dive a, a bit into the economics of baseball, right, Gabe? And that's, that's right. Um, with the uh, you know, in in the middle of free agent signings, um, I feel like Gabe that deals that are contracts that players have been signing the last few at least the last couple of off seasons, this season and last off season have been getting a little weird. I, I think um, topped off by the Otani contract that we, that we talked about last week where what, like 96% of it is deferred. Um, 98%. I is think it 98? I heard someone say, yeah, yeah. That's what I heard someone say, but I think that math is off. Okay. It's upper nineties percent. Almost all of it um, is deferred. It's weird. It makes me not completely. Also, I'll, I'll tell you what it does for me in terms of trying to project, you know, things like value, you know, in terms of on field production per dollar that you're spending on guys. It seems like it's kind of these deals that guys are signing are making me rethink the way that I've thought about that in the past, that there's new rules to apply to this. So, anyway, that's. Um, that's my quick hitter thought on the economics of of baseball in terms of recent trends. Um, but I know that you've been putting the pen to paper uh, a little bit also and thinking a little more deeply about uh, some of the economics uh, and economic trends in the game right now. Yeah. So what happened was I just got rid of that pesky day job. I, uh, I mean, I still have my day job. <laughs> Uh, if you need a mortgage, check me out on www.mortgagesbygabe.com. I'll help you out. But for three weeks from now until I get back from my cruise on January 7th, I'm in reactive mode, Andrew. So that means I'm working from home and I'm answering calls and emails, but I'm not like going out there and trying to stir stuff up, right? Yeah. So what that means is I had plenty of time to do some research today on a topic that's really uh, – fascinating to me i learned some stuff and hopefully uh the readers will appreciate that but this all comes from this i don't know if you've noticed but all over the internet all sorts of places the message is getting out that the astros cannot afford to do anything and we've talked about that they're at the yeah. luxury tax level yeah and what is happening is there's a very concerted effort around town to explain that the Astros are not being cheap, that there's not any money to spend or they'll, they'll start losing money. And the reason for that is, and it's the reason for a lot of what's happening in baseball right now, I think is the death of the RSN, Andrew, Tell me, the regional sports network. Yes. I was going to say, let's, let's define our acronyms for the listeners. So here's what, Here's what's been going on. It started happening last year, and, and the Astros got caught up in this. A couple of RSNs actually went bankrupt, okay? Um, and this is all part of the larger trend in entertainment um, toward kind of an atomized uh, entertainment lab landscape, right? So we used to have monoculture, mono meaning one, right, where everyone was doing the same thing at the same time. We had four channels. We had uh, – uh, one of them was PBS. This is before Fox, right? Yeah. Um, 
you know, we had four channels, one of which was PBS, which no one watched. So we had NBC, CBS, and ABC. And that was it, right? This was before Fox sort of became a thing. Yeah. And, you know, that's where you see these massive ratings. Like, you know, the number one rated show ever was the uh, was the series finale of MASH, right? It was watched yeah. by like 80 or 90 million people. Did the, and keep um, in mind... Did the Dallas cliffhanger eclipse that or, or, or I, it just came close? I don't think so. It's in the top 10. About who but shot JR. Who shot JR, that's right. And it was all a bad dream or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I was a baby. Um, I, I was very young when that happened. So, you know, basically what happened was, and, and this is, you know, 80 million. We've got 350 million people now in the United States, Andrew. I think back then we had like 200 million or 220 million or something like that, right? Okay. So when you had 90 million people and all the most rated, all, all the highest, most watched things come from a time when America was about half its size, maybe 65% of its size, yeah. two-thirds, you know, 40 years ago, right? <laughs> two-thirds of its size. But we only had three, we only had three channels. So yeah. everyone watched sort of the same thing, right? Yeah. Um, now, you know, the biggest show on TV right now is like CBS, um, like the CSI shows, right? You know, they just get like two or three ratings, like two yeah. or three, where it works out to like five or six million people watching it. And that's like the biggest rated show now, yeah. right? Right. <clears throat> and the reason for that is we have like, you know, 250 different. 250 different channels that we can sure. watch plus we have the internet plus yeah. we have my kids don't even watch tv right yeah. and a lot of the time they don't even stream like on netflix or peacock or something like that right i mean we've got all the streamings we got satellite channel with all the stuff like you know my wife and i we watch tv and a lot of people complain about how much tv costs or whatever we spend probably 200 or 225 dollars on that well, we watch a lot of TV, right? I mean, if you talk about it, if you think about it, that's like $8 a day or something like that, right? So, I mean, an interesting interesting anecdote about this. I was watching the Longhorns in the Big 12 championship game in football a couple of weeks ago. And when it would go to commercial, my daughter would pop into the room to watch the commercials. Um, it's kind of like the inverse of, you know, you get up when it's commercial break to go to the kitchen or whatever. She would come watch the commercials because it was such a novel thing to her. She has no idea about like intermittent commercials <laughs> between. That's right. Because she does not watch television like like we're like you're talking about. Like she does not have any concept of like watching network television. That's exactly right. And you know there were some people writing think pieces about like Game of Thrones was going to be the last monoculture, right? But that's nonsense. Game of Thrones wasn't monoculture. I mean, Game of Thrones like. As much as you think that was a big deal because people talked about it in the water cooler or you might have heard yeah. podcasts about it or, or internets or try to avoid spoilers or something. Dude, that was being watched by eight or nine million people. Sure. That's nothing. Yeah. Nothing. I mean, that's a vast, vast, vast difference. So, you know, these RSNs came to mind before this great unbundling started. Right. Okay. Yeah. And give us a time frame. Cable. This is what back in like the mid aughts or late 90s, yeah, probably, somewhere in there. Yeah, probably. Well, you know, in Houston, we had HSE, right? A Home, Home Sports, Sports Entertainment. Entertainment. Oh, yeah. And and that happened from the mid 80s on. Yeah, okay. That was in the 80s. Um, and, and so that was sort of 
Now the the Astros and Rockets were on the Rockets for sure were on channel thirty nine the CB or something. Now yeah. this is obviously after the time of three channels that we were talking about, right? I mean, this is well into cable and, and satellite. Out. But, yeah, this is a, so in the eighties. Yeah, you you get cable that becomes pretty ubiquitous, right? And yep, ESPN and that sort of stuff. But but yeah, so we're talking HSE. I remember that as a kid being the, the Astros and Rockets game, home games, at least, were, were shown yep. there. I want to say the Astros road games, like you're saying, were on free access channel Maybe 39. channel 20? The there Rockets was a, were on there channel, was a channel 39. There also, but I, I don't remember what the call letters were for the for those for those local stations. But yeah, the road games, I think, I don't know if it was all of them. I remember them generally being on. Yes, and that was I lived in San Francisco in the '80s, and they were so cheap they didn't put the home games on because the Giants owner at the time this was when the Giants were really acting like a small market franchise. Yeah, in the mid '80s, before they sort of got better. In '86, they started to get good. You gotta love these kids. That was when you know one of my four, first sports memories was Nolan Ryan, you know, throwing a no hitter against my Giants at the time. Right? Those those were my Giants. Yeah. To, to clinch the division. That, was, that was Mike Scott, Gabe. Mike Scott, I'm sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Mike <laughs> Scott, I'm sorry. Uh, that was, that was, um, you know, 1986, and then the Giants in 87 and 88 or 89 went to the playoffs, and that was the first time they'd been to the playoffs since, like, yeah. Willie Mays, right? 87, they went to the, the NLCS. And oh, lost that's the right. And eight, yeah. 89, they lost to... Lost to the Dodgers, or I'm sorry, no, the, uh, they lost the they A's, lost the A's excuse me, series. in the World Series. The earthquake yeah. Series. Yeah. That's right, the Earthquake Series. So, you know, but in 84, 85, the Giants threw like 900,000 people. And what they Oof. did was they didn't have any home games on TV. Wow. Because they were afraid if they put the home games on, that would mean people didn't want to go to the ballpark. That was a okay. big that was a big thing in in terms of the history of like baseball and television and that uh, that was a common sentiment amongst That's, a lot of the it, owners it, going back it I was. would say before the 80s but like back in the 60s oh, and 70s. No man, it goes back to like the 20s and 30s because yeah. in the 20s and 30s before TV we were a radio nation, you know, we all listen to the radio sure, and they sure. wouldn't put the games on the radio for wow, the same reason. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so there's nothing new under the sun, right? Just the sort of delivery mechanism. Yeah. But what, what they finally learned was that putting the games on TV on radio and then putting the games on TV did not detract from attendance. It actually increased attendance, right? Because right, you built right. up, you built up a ground. You build up more interest. Wanted to see that's right. You wanted the people that wanted to see the product. You create more, more fans, and then the fans that you already have are more into it, right? They see it on TV, and it actually makes them more likely to want to go to a game. Not I'll give less you, likely. I'll give you a present day example of that, and I think our listeners know. I live in Albuquerque, New Mexico, right? Um, I buy the MLB package, the MLB TV package every year. So it gives you access to all the games, except for the markets that you're that you're located in, which are blacked out. So for, for where I am, the Rockies are blacked out and the Diamondbacks are blacked out. Okay. And I've often thought about how asinine this 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 whole thing is because of exactly what you're saying, in that I would be I would be interested in following, let's say, the Rockies because their AAA affiliate is located in Albuquerque, the Isotopes. And I'll go to some Isotopes games every year. Um, 
and I would have a lot more interest, I think, in more closely following the isotopes in the Rockies minor league systems if I was more interested in the Rockies themselves, which I think I would be if I could actually access their games on television. So, uh, you know, Iowa is actually the worst. Iowa has six or seven different teams oh, wow. that They're claim Iowa that, that blackout, right? So the Brewers, the Royals, the Cardinals, the Cubs, I the, guess. Cubs yeah. the White Sox, and the Twins are all I, blacked out in Iowa. However many that is, it's like six or seven, okay? That would suck. It, it's not actually – Vegas, you know, Vegas will actually probably just have the A's blacked out now. But before that, you had the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, the Dodgers, and the Angels, all and wow. the Padres all blacked out in Vegas. Wow, um, I want to say it's something like that. It's, it's 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 a lot, and so there's so that's RSNs, right? So so we had regional sports networks, yeah. and this is when everyone had cable, and you know. Andrew, the number one thing in a bunch of markets, including the Astros market, the number one product on TV is the Houston Astros. Sure. Almost every single almost every single day. More people watch the Astros than CSI Cleveland or, you know, Real Housewives of Albuquerque or whatever you've got <laughs> going on, right? Because sports are the defining thing, are, are sort of you know, to the extent that we have any monoculture, it's sports. But but here's my argument is that we don't actually have monoculture. I'm going to skip to the end here a little bit, and then I'll oh, work backwards. Hold okay? on. But, yeah, this was a thing I think that became even more pronounced with the advent of the DVR, right? So when you started getting yes. digital cable and people – even then when network shows were very big and did draw a lot of viewers, you, you introduced this – this element of a of a digital recording device where no longer and you speak of the monoculture and the mash finale and the, that kind of thing everyone was watching it at the same time once the That's dvr right. came out you know you could just record whatever the the exception was live sports because while True. you could you could record That's... it there was still an element of wanting to watch it while it's happening that kind of set it apart from other programming. And I think if I'm not mistaken, Gabe, that became kind of the impetus for the huge dollars that were flowing toward these regional sports networks. That's right. There were two exceptions, live sports. Yep. And you know what the other exception was? Hmm. Nope. Reality shows like Survivor. Do you remember how big Survivor was? Yeah. Big I... Brother. So here's, here's, yeah. that was two parts why we had so much of that. But that, that kind of was... has a live sports element to it. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. So that, that came to be because of a writer strike in Hollywood. And they just said, what can we put on? So they started doing reality <laughs> shows. Yeah. But specifically Survivor and Big Brother, no one wanted to time shift that because they were afraid they'd find out on the radio or at hmm. the office who got voted off the island. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's the same sort of concept as sports. It's one of the few things sticky enough that people actually walk, watch live. So that's where we got all these shows like The Bachelor and uh, Survivor and Big Brother and all that the stuff. The one they, where they, they, all came... they dance in costumes. Yes, that's right. All, well, all why do people shows... watch that anyway? Continue. <clears throat> those all came about at about the same time for that same reason, right? And yeah. at, at the rise of regional uh, of rsns 
Sports are not monoculture, though. I mean, yes, the Super Bowl gets huge, huge ratings, right? And every sure. year the NFL has the nine of the ten most highly rated deals. And like I said, the Astros are <clears throat> number one every night in Houston unless the Texans are playing or something like that, you know, during September or something like that. But here's the dirty little secret, Andrew. We're outnumbered as sports fans. Yes. We think this is a big deal, especially the atomization of entertainment, because, you know, we're on message boards about the Longhorns or the Rockets or the Astros or the Aggies, or, you know, we're listening to podcasts like Breathing Orange Fire, uh, if you have good taste and and discretion (laughs) and and what you like, right? So we can immerse ourselves in this talk radio, podcasts, message boards, right? So it seems like a big deal and we get that told. Andrew, would you care to guess what percentage of local cable subscribers actually watch even one time during the course of the year their RSN? The percent of total cable subscribers. Cable survivors. That's right. That that have watched their RSN. Like in a metro area. That's right. Uh, They've watched their RSN even once in the last year. 15? 10 to 15%, depending on the market. So 15%, like... Look, Houston has Astros fever, right? A lot of people love the Astros. Yep. The Astros are probably at that 15% mark, right? Yeah. Now, yeah. famously, when they couldn't get carriage for one of the RSNs the, the first time around, yes, we had a 0.0 rating. Because I watched the Astros that game, were bad. Game. I watched and, it. And no one no one could watch it. I couldn't watch it. I, I wanted to watch it. I, I did. I, I would have. I... I think it was only on Comcast that was the only carrier and I had Comcast and it was a Sunday game in September competing with NFL. And they were, it was, you know, before the rebuild really kicked into gear. And I actually watched that game because I want to say it was, it might've been the last game of the season. Um, and I wanted to say there was some something compelling. I don't think it was the last game of the season. I think it was like the the the, the last the second to last Sunday of the season. It might have been maybe the last home game, something like that. Anyway, I, I I wanted to watch. I signed petitions for Directv to add <laughs> Comcast Sports Network, also the Longhorn Network at the same time. God, right? I, I, mean, I remember that. Dude, I didn't it drove get, me nuts. I didn't get the that. Longhorn Network for like a decade. <laughs> yeah. It drove me nuts that I couldn't see. And even now, there are plenty of cable providers around the Houston area where you cannot get the RSN. Yeah. Why is that, Andrew, that you can't get the RSN? Because they charge a ton of money for yes. the RSN. They yes. charge $4 per subscriber to the RSN. Ooh. Okay. So that might not sound much, but, you know, people complain about like, oh, why do I have to get the own network like Oprah, Win- the Oprah Winfrey network or yeah. a bunch of other stuff? Yeah. Those networks are bundled together, six, right. eight, ten of them yeah. for like 10 or 12 cents a subscriber. Right. Yes. I mean, of the 200 channels that you get, uh, it, let's say your cable bill is 100 bucks. Right. And you get 200 channels for that. You know, ESPN is like seven dollars and fifty cents. ESPN two is like five bucks, um, and the RSNs are like four dollars, just right below ESPN. Okay, yeah. if Fox News is like a buck fifty or two dollars or two fifty sure. or something. Fox News is by far the most watched news network, right? Yeah, it gets the atomization. That's because 
you know, that was basically the only conservative slanted media, whereas all the rest were media. So it's not that there's more conservatives or that Fox News is better. No, it's just it's, it's that was the one place right. to it's watch a, it, right? Whereas there's eight other networks that split up the sort of more left or left to center center deal. So that's why Fox News gets gets the big bucks on that. But, you know, then you go down to like Bravo, get, that's got the Real right. Housewives gets like 35 or 50 cents, you know, and then you get down to like the Lego network or the HGTV or something like that. Is there really a Lego network? uh, It's L-E-G-O, but it's not actually about Legos. Oh, um, man. I think it's uh, something, I I don't know. I got Uh, kind of excited. I thought it was like, no, no, it's not Lego. Lego Lego programming. Okay. I'd watch so that. that's why they that's why they had such hard time getting carriage because it's four dollars a month. Well, why do they need four dollars a month carriage, Andrew? Because they're paying teams. They agreed to pay yeah. teams a lot of money. Yep. So the Astros sort of missed out, but our competitors, the Rangers, signed at like a 30-year billion dollar. To, to, I don't know. The Rangers are making 111 million. So I think they signed like a 30 year, $4 billion package or something like that. With wow. because their network came up in 2011. Okay. Right. And, and right after they were coming off a couple World Series and they were riding as high as they could. That's right. Yeah. And, and the Astros were really down. So that meant that like Austin. Was yeah. sort of when Austin was always an Astros town, and it became a Rangers town for a little while there. Sure, sure. Um, and you know, some parts of Louisiana and stuff like that. So the Rangers are making 111 million, <clears throat> while the Astros were making nothing, owning yeah. their own thing because they couldn't get any any carriage, right? So this right. was this big, huge, hairy deal. The Yankees famously started their own network, the Yes, the yes Network. So they yes network. They yeah. get 143 million. And the Dodgers get 196 million, but it's even bigger than that because they also own a big stake of theirs. Right. So it's right. not just the right fees they get; they're they're also like raking in ownership revenue as well sure. from those. I mean, there's people that say that the Dodgers might have like 300. I, I've saw 340 million, maybe that the Dodgers network might might be worth a year. Yeah. So. You know, fast forward three or four or five years when all this happens and we start unbundling, right? And they're just shedding. Yeah. They're just shedding subscribers left and right. Sure. But they're keeping this propped up because the only thing people are saying like, well, I get rid of cable, but I want to watch my Astros or Rockets, right? And and that's their only option because of those blackouts through the MLB TV. So this is why those blackouts makes sense and they're reasonable and they're never going to go away right i mean i I get it yes but continue so this is why you can't go to a streaming i crunched the numbers on this okay Mm -hmm. in order so that means with the 15 percent that watch an rsn the asterisk have something like a hundred nine thousand households in the houston area that watch them okay that would be 375 dollars a year if you could get every single Astros subscriber or every single person that's watched the Astros to subscribe, to make up for the 73 million that they made on their RSN before their RSN went bankrupt. Okay. It would be how much a year? It would be $640 per household a year to get that same thing. 
So that's what I'm saying. I mean, there are a lot less of us than we think, and we're being subsidized big time mm-hmm. by all the people who don't give a crap about sports, right? Sure. And so the carriers are fighting back because they're trying to do anything they can to lower the cost. So they're right. trying to a la carte this stuff out. But then, <clears throat> you know, when I say the carriers, I'm talking about the cable systems. I'm talking about DirecTV. I'm yeah. talking about this, right? Right. But the content providers don't want to do that because the only way they can make a living <laughs> is if everyone is all bundled together. Right. And um, because like you more, said, but- only 15%, if it was truly a la carte, only 15% of those subscribers would actually subscribe to the RSN. No, they wouldn't even subscribe. 15% would have the desire to subscribe. I see. Right? Okay, I, I mean, sure. what if you had, I think it's realistic to say like at most, maybe you have 60% of people that would agree to pay for it, what they otherwise watch for free. Okay. If you saw it drop to 60,000 subscribers, Andrew, that would cost $640 per household. Never going to happen no. you're never going to see that type of money no. come in in an a la carte or streaming option so there's all sorts of people that are like oh i would gladly pay a hundred dollars or 150 dollars i see this all the time to be able to st- scream at those sons of bitches why don't they give me the streaming option this yeah. is why i pirate it right right well the answer to that is because y- you can't pay a hundred dollars or 150 dollars or whatever you think is reasonable you'd have to pay a thousand dollars a year for them to be sort of revenue neutral with what they had for the RSN networks, right? Yeah, yeah. So that means they are going to fight and claw and hold on to this as long as possible, right? The reason you can buy MLB package for out-of-market games is because they're out-of-market games, yeah. right? That's not cutting down on the it's RSN. It's not cutting into anything. It's just that's extra, right. right? That's right. Now, those, are, those out-of-market games are blacked out when they play your local team. Okay, yep. so yep. if you're a, if you're an Astros fan living in Los Angeles, you can watch all the Astros games except for when they play the Do- Dodgers or the Angels, yeah. right? Correct. Maybe the Padres if 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 they get yeah. to yeah. call out a little Since bit. Since I've been out here, so. the only time I cannot watch the Astros is when they play the Rockies or the Diamondbacks. Correct. That's right. Now I do think that now here's where I do feel bad for some people they claim like the astros claim amarillo as their home market for example right (laughs) you cannot get the astros anywhere on any cable system in amarillo that's dangerously close that's only like four hours from me right and you cannot get them on dish you can only get them on direct tv so the only way you can get the astros if you live in amarillo is on direct tv right it's not part of a local cable package gabe how do they determine these kind of service areas do you know how that's determined? Uh, if not, it's, that's okay. It's, it's geographically closest to without another sure. team. And then some of them are overlapping. So you can go like like Iowa. You're talking about 300 miles away. They just happen to be perfectly located between like five cities. Yeah. Is there one of like, which has it, two teams, is right? Is it just based on geographic distance? Is that? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, there's some nod to sort of being in your home state, I think, with Texas where the distances are pretty big. But keep in mind, Amarillo is not really close to any other major league team, right? So they just go, oh, that's Texas, fine. The Astros sure. can take it. I'm sure Brownsville, you know, the Astros yeah. get to keep to 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 claim that, okay? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel sorry for those guys. I think that it probably goes a little far when there's no local cable that's willing to put you on, put your RSN on. Well, the, I think yeah. it probably would make sense for them to be able to buy 
major league extra inning or even some sort of streaming, right? But the meat and potatoes, your market area, they just will not give you a streaming option unless they're forced to by gunpoint. Well, now they're starting to be forced by gunpoint, right? (laughs) And you've got um, the Astros, RSN went out of business, right? So now the Astros and Rockets now own the RSN. Yep. Now, I I know a lot of people were worried about Comcast. Uh, I read some comments on the board about this today. Guys, don't freak out about it. It's not as bad as all that. Here's the deal. They got to assume all the contracts. So anywhere that there's carriage, they will still have carriage. Okay, so they're not reinventing the wheel there. Yep. Nothing's going to change. The fact that the Astros now own the channel does not mean they have to get back in. They just said, hey, we're not running this anymore. We're not paying you rights fees. We're going to wash our hands of this and walk away from it. Yeah. And if you sue us, we'll declare bankruptcy. So, you know, you can't squeeze blood out of a turnip, right? Yeah. It's, it's sort of the thought process on that. So the Astros, and this is what made the paper, and this was all over the papers and the internets and the Twitters and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, the Astros are now out $73 million from their RSN. So they don't possibly have any money to be able to afford good baseball players, Andrew. So um, hold on. Hold so on. that's the deal. They're out seventy three million. What what does that mean that that their that their twenty twenty four budget is going to be seventy three million dollars lighter no. on the revenue side? No, and they've been obfuscating this, and their mouthpieces have put out really really bad yeah. tweets that are really sort of either geared toward illiterate people or obfuscating on purpose or disingenuous. Yeah. I don't know what you want to call it. The the fact of the matter is, it's likely... So the Astros still get to collect the Astros and Rockets. Now, the Astros are the majority partner here because they have 162 sure. games worth of inventory. Not quite that because, right, the... Yeah, so the, the national um, broadcast. The national broadcasts are not on. And the Friday night when you get tabbed for the Apple TV and stuff right. like that, that's not on, right? <laughs> but um, they... It's they get to collect all the carriage still from yeah. all the agreements, right? They get that four dollars a month, right? That that fifty dollars a household times all the cable stuff, and then they get to sell advertisements as well on the games, and they get to keep all that stuff. Yeah. Now they now have to produce the games. They have to pay the cameraman, and they have sure. to pay all those people that are out there. It's likely that it's thought that they're going to net fifty million. So we're going to go with fifty million as our guide to what Mm -hmm. the local sports deal is. So that was the impetus for this podcast for us to do. And we had to get through all that backstory to tell you why we're doing this and why baseball is in very uncertain times economically. Now, baseball is not poverty stricken or anything like that. It's just, there's uncertainty. No one knows exactly where this is going to go. And the Rangers, you know, whatever happened up there, Mark Cuban sold the Mavericks. I don't know. That hasn't been talked about a lot. And they said yeah. a big reason was that the RSN went away. And he's like, I, where am I going to get that $50 million? I don't want to deal with that. I think there's something else going on because the NBA rights fees are going way, way up. They're national deals. Like the NBA gets a lot more of their money from national deals. And the NFL gets all their money from national deals, right? There is yeah. no regional coverage in the NFL. Right. That's right. So that's why they don't have this problem. This is a baseball-specific problem. It's also an opportunity. I mean, baseball has 162 games of inventory. That's by far, by far. You know, everyone talks about the NFL 
being the 800 pound gorilla. Well, some of it is just scarcity, right? I mean, you have yeah. 17 regular season games on the NFL. You have one day that you got to be an NFL fan. Right. Talk about people going to the games or people watching total hours watched or whatever. Baseball just blows away. Blows it away. Sure. Because of that 162 games, yeah. right? It's every but day for no, six months. Yeah. That's right. But no individual game is, is that big a deal the way the NFL is. It's sure. appointment viewing in the NFL and baseball's sure. background noise, right? Yeah. And I, I think we've talked about that before. Like our lot, like the rhythm of our life is set to a baseball schedule in a lot, a lot of ways, right? But it's sure. not, you know, we'll text back and forth, but a lot of times we're not watching the game, right? Or yeah. we'll, you'll watch it on MLB package. I'll TiVo it and I'll start watching at 845, right? Yep. I'll, I'll skip through the the Martin Maldonado at bats on three clicks and I skip through the, you know, sometimes I'll skip through innings or I'll I'll watch yeah. it in two click fast forward until there's a base hit. Yep. And then I'll pause it and I'll jump backwards and I'll just see like sort of the base hits or sort of the out pitches or whatever. And I'll watch a baseball game in like 45 minutes, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, Longhorn games, I mean, I I – plan my entire day around those right i, I mean sure. i start i start lubricating myself what am i going to eat I, I i'm going to go you know i'm going to take the kids to karate at 9 30 because the game's on at 11 and i'm a yeah. frantic mess right i mean because there's 15 of them hopefully this year you know but when it's gone bad there were 12 of them or when it was yeah 13 with a bowl when it was really bad like five and seven in the charlie strong era there's 12 uh, of them right yeah. Um, so, so that's appointment TV, whereas baseball is background noise for me. I, I love baseball. I love Major League Baseball, right? I mean, yeah. we do an Astros podcast. We spend a disproportionate amount of time thinking about the Astros and all that. But, um, you know, it's 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 just not the same, right? So, you know, baseball's got that big, big advantage with all that inventory. Yep. And that shows through at the local level, okay? Um so I, I gave you one thing to fill in. I told – so, guys, a little peek behind the curtain like I like to do. Andrew is like, you want to share this research with me? And I said, no. <laughs> You're going to be the avatar for our, for our listeners, and we're going to do the Socratic method style, okay? Yeah, so we're going to okay. see how well Andrew can do. And by the way, when I put all this together and I learned everything about this, I was within $8 million of what Forbes had the Astros total budget at. Yeah. Um, on the revenue side, and I was within five million on the cost side. Yeah. So I, I I nailed this pretty well, but I just as a thought exercise going through it. So let's see if you can do that well. Um, you're Andrew, gonna let's, just to be let's, clear, let's, you're let's gonna ask you me ask me to perform arithmetic while we're recording. That's right. That's right. So do I need to, I need I, to get a, like a pad of paper? No, or? not really. Not really arithmetic. I just okay. just big picture. Okay. Okay. So, Andrew, give me all the ways the Astros get revenue. And you can okay. pick any way you want, and I'll walk you through what that looks like. Okay? okay? All right. They sell tickets to baseball games. They sell tickets to baseball games. Ding, ding, ding. This is that like family is feud. One. This is kind this of is. <laughs> This is the number one answer. I thought you'd like this. Okay? Um, so, the average price of a ticket. Yeah. Guess what the average price of a ticket in an Astros game is, Andrew? 2023 Astros, I'd say yep. average price of a ticket, $50. Close, $62.56. Okay. We had 3,052 fans 
That's a grand total. Of we had 100... more than we had more than three thousand. I'm sorry, three million, <laughs> three million and fifty two thousand fans. Okay, that's a total of one hundred and ninety one million dollars, Andrew. Right. Local ticket sales. Now put that over in a separate bucket. That's local ticket sales. Okay. 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 What do you think the number two source of revenue for the Houston Astros is? Mm. Do, does the the television revenue count as a that is the local TV is number three for the Astros. Number it would three. have been number two okay. last year, right? If they would have ah. actually got their seventy three million, it would have been number two. Okay, but at fifty million, it becomes number three. Okay. Uh. I guess I would then say just uh, merchandise. So you missed the word that I emphasized: local TV deal for the Astros ah, worth fifty million. Okay. What do you so think it, their number two source now is? The national a, a TV national deal. National right? TV deal. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah. and you've got a lot of different stuff here. Okay, this is MLB Network. This is MLB.com. This is extra innings package. This is ESPN. Fox. This is Fox. Yeah. This is TBS. This is anything that has to do with broadcasting their digital rights. So basically, okay? it's a it's an umbrella MLB kind of every team gets a cut of the total. That's right. And every team gets an equal cut. And yeah. last year, that number was $60 million. Wow. Okay. Okay. So if you're scoring at home, 190 million for ticket sales, 60 million for the national TV deal, and they think the local deal is going to be worth about 50 million. Okay. 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 So that's 300 million in revenue right there. Mm-hmm. So your next guess was merchandise. Not a bad guess, not correct, but let's go through merchandise now. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. $5 billion in retail sales. You say that sounds good. Five billion dollars, not for the Astros, for Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball gets overall. Okay, five. got it. Okay, five billion dollars. So that's your your shirts, your hats, yep, your uh, coffee mugs, your uh, bobbleheads, your all all that stuff, right? Yep. Uh, your your pennants, your flags, anything with your team's logo on it or anything Major League Baseball on it. Okay, five billion in retail sales. However. Teams don't get that retail sales cut. They get a cut off of the wholesale. And the generally accepted markup is $2.5 billion in wholesale. Okay. 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 On top of that, the teams don't manufacture and turn a profit on the home wholesale stuff. They don't make those styrofoam fingers, right? Sure. Yeah. Someone in China makes them. They license their they license logos them. out for that. They get 12% of wholesale. Of okay. 2.5 billion. 2.5. Okay. So okay. Now, all right. And then they split it 30 ways to get $10 million. Okay. Mm-hmm. But they got to pay the players association something. So the players association gets like $2 million in that cut. Because we're including so, things like jersey sales. And that's right. Like that's that. correct. Okay. That's, yeah. that's correct. With their name, image, and likeness on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the teams make about $8 million or so in merchandise. And that's like number six, probably, for the Astros. Yeah. All right. Um, this one sort of shocked me. Sponsorships. 
Minute Maid Park. Yep. All those, Oxy uh, patch Ox, on the Oxy deal. Patch. All, yeah, they have them on the jerseys now. That's right, on the jerseys. Jersey all, yeah. all the signs up, all, all throughout the infield, stuff like that, right? Yep. That accounts for 11% league-wide of revenue. Wow. Yeah, so I, that's, that's I actually thought, not that super surprising, I guess. I thought 10 or 15 million for the Astros. They only get three or four million a year for Minute Maid huh. for sponsoring the entire ballpark. I was like, oh, if Minute Maid's four million, then they get maybe like 10 or 15. If you give the Astros the same, and look, this stuff is all very opaque. Sure. Okay. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not giving you exact source Official numbers. I'm having numbers, the, that's yeah. right. They will You're not estimating. ever open the books. I am estimating and I'm working backwards. So I'm going to put that at $40 million a year, which is funny because then I was reading on Surly and he said that he, one of the posters says, I know a guy that owns a business that advertises with Asterisk as a sponsor mm-hmm. and it's a seven-figure it's a seven figure deal. And I was like, okay, well, that, that lines up with that $40 million, right? Yeah. Also, the people that go on the, the diamond board, the, the sixth inning smile yeah. sponsored by David you know, by Dr. Dennis or Dennis David or whatever, you know, like all that stuff counts toward that. Right. Yeah. So there's signers and sponsorships, $40 million. Okay. Next. Most is concessions. Yeah. Concessions. Concessions. And so is that, is that Aramark? Is that still, that is Aramark. That is the thing. And most places. So there's five concession vendors. The Astros do not buy and sell the foods. The Astros provide right. basically a license as well. Yep. Baseball teams get between 35 and 55% of the uh, concessions in the okay. ballpark. Okay. okay. Your liquor set, your, your, the number one markup item is uh, popcorn at like 97%. That's why you can now get, if you buy the large popcorn for $10. You now get unlimited refills because you can that's buy like Mike, three pounds of popcorn kernels for like two dollars. That, that's right. That's right. So even though my kids eat five buckets of popcorn and it makes me feel a little bit, I get the dollar cost average that down to two bucket of popcorn, <laughs> and they get a souvenir coke for eight dollars and seventy five cents that they yeah. get one refill on. But maybe the person didn't peel the sticker off to take the refill. Like for twenty dollars, my kids can eat popcorn and drink all the coke they want and also when they stop watching the baseball i can send them the concessions and make them stand in hopefully a longish line and yeah. do that right right on, on a lot of the food items uh, the sort of the premium food items you get down to like maybe 40 or 50 percent sure profit margin your alcohol is like 85 percent. you know how much a double like a double scotch on the rocks costs at an astros game at an astros game jeez it has to be like 40 bucks $26. Gabe, I went to see Guns N' Roses at Minute Maid Park uh-huh. in September. I paid $20 for a 24-ounce can of Miller Lite. That's actually, you know, if you think about it, it's not all that awful. It's not all that awful. It's two beers. That means you're paying $10 for a beer. If you go to your local bar and it's not happy hour, you're probably paying $7 a beer. Is that right? Miller, Miller Lite? I don't know. Yeah, I think so, man. I you go to freaking Chili's and it's six dollars for a beer. I think. Okay, my my perception of what things cost are anchored in like the late nineties. So I yes, I I couldn't tell you. There is you this. Might, you might be right. It just seemed funny that twenty dollars because 
my general, well, I'm not going to get into it, but suffice to say, I buy 30 cans of another product and that costs also $20 at the grocery store. Right. That, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so this is what I used. I, I don't know how accurate this is. I split the difference. I said, let's assume the Astro has got an in the middle deal and they get 45% of gross revenue. Okay. Yeah. I got $15 a fan. Now there's plenty of fans that'll spend more, but there's yep. plenty of people like my dad that took us and be like, you want to go to one game or do you want to go to 10 games? Cause we can go to one game if you want to buy a malt and a foam finger, because those malts cost a buck 25 when yeah. he was like, you can't, we can't afford no freaking malt. You're not, we're not getting you a malt. We'll go to one game a year. Dad was a tight one. Yeah, I thought, well. But now I realize <laughs> that a buck twenty-five then was probably a lot. And whenever my kids hit me up, I'm like, "What am I doing here?" Yeah, you're lighting. You know, I mean, it's yeah. I, I've got like three, and I've got three of them. He only had two. You've only got one, right? So I mean, yeah. it's just like, but you know, I I buy my kids a I I buy my kids bluebell ice cream in the sixth inning or whatever. I mean, I'm sure. like a freaking cash red cash machine. Yeah. It sucks it out of me. But yeah. Yeah. when I go by myself. You know, I, I yeah, I eat nothing, and Same. they've now yeah. allowed people to 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 bring people in and stuff like that. I mean, there's plenty of people that drink five of those beers, right, and spend a hundred dollars on beer. Um, I think there's probably more people that spend less. So I'm just using fifteen dollars, man. I don't know if that's I think, good. I, don't I know think if that's, that's bad. I think that's a fair, reasonable I think estimate. Yeah. Probably reasonable. Yeah. That's a you know, that's splitting a popcorn and a beer uh, and each person having a beer. If you go like with your wife or something like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you go with your wife, you're spending more though, because women, the only people that can suck money out of your wallet quicker than a, with a vacuum hose quicker than a kid is a wife. Right. Um, I'm not so, touching that game. I thought your wife doesn't listen. I mean, I'm sure she does not. Mine would listen and she would just knowingly nod and she'd be like, I know that's right. Because my wife also deals in reality. Yeah. She has to deal in reality being married to me. It, it just <laughs> yeah. wouldn't work otherwise. Right. Yeah. I don't know how good that number is, but I'm betting it's about 20 million. Okay. Okay. I, on think, the that's I think that's fair. I think that's a fair, fair estimate. Yep. All right. So this is interesting. Mm -hmm. This is not the number one, but this is sort of a, a somewhat significant source of revenue. In-store merchandise. When the Astros sell a jersey in their store, mm -hmm. in the team store, they get to keep 100% of it. They do not have to split that money up. So the merchant, I was going to ask about this. So the merchandise that we talked about a moment ago is the general merchandise. If I go onto fanatics.com or whatever, that's right. and I want to buy right. a, an Astros cap, that's, that's, that's right. that other category that you're talking about. But at the Astros team store in Minute Maid Park, if I go there and I buy the same cap, the team is collecting a hundred percent of that. That's right. I mean, they have to buy the they have to buy their inventory costs, obviously. Right. right? Sure. Yeah. Like but, Ni but yeah, Nike, Nike is getting a cut of, of that to some degree, also. That's right. But, right. Or but they're acting like any normal retailer, right? Where they're buying the goods on consignment and they're selling and they're giving back the percentage to yeah. the supplier of the goods. Yeah. Right. I. I read that it's anywhere from two to ten million. Let's just say the Astros are not doing poorly at their in-store store. Yeah, they're probably pretty they close are. to maximizing that. I mean, they're, look they're around pretty you. Close to the ten million. Look around you at the thirty thousand other people at the at the game, and what seventy percent are wearing Astros 
the Astros That's stuff, right. and and maybe That's half right. of them bought it at the stadium. You know. That's right. So here's another pretty fascinating thing, Andrew. Do you know how the playoff revenue works? Um, no. I I mean I okay. can speak intelligently about how that works. So this is what happens in the wild card round. The Astros made zero. Okay. All three games of the wild card. So every playoff ticket sold, mm-hmm. MLB gets the first 15% of those sales. Wow. Okay. A cut off the top. They just throw that up there to that. Okay. So the, the, the remaining 85% gets split out like this. The first three games of the wild card series and division series, the first three games, it is split up. No, I'm sorry. The first two games of the wild card and the first three games of the division series. Okay. So the, the the minimum number, okay? Yeah. The players get 50% in those rounds. Wow. Okay. And then the two of teams sales. of ticket sales. That's right. Huh. Okay. So whenever you hear the players play off share, this is like the in 2022, the Astros had the great, biggest playoff share ever at um, $572,000. Every player, everyone voted a playoff share and they voted like 87 playoff shares out. Wow. So like the club, he got a full playoff share, $570,000, the clubhouse Dang. guy, right? Wow. Um, the, the staff all got those, right? Uh, anyone that played more, that accrued enough service time to be more than like basically to, to, to accrue enough to be able to give you an extra year in there. Yeah. Like, so that's as little as 20 games. They voted a full share. Right. Huh. Um, and, and then they can also vote out partial shares. So like the, the broadcasters get a partial share, the traveling secretary gets a partial share. Right. Yeah. Uh, down to the ushers and stuff like that. I, I mean, wow. you know, some teams go all the way down that. Right. So this is where that money for the playoff share comes from. So the Astros got zero in 2023 from the wild card round because they didn't play in it. Yep. But the division round, they got 2.7 million for the first three games, I figured. Because keep in mind, I am the season ticket holder. It's like $60 a ticket in the division round. Okay. Sure. Yep. So there's like 40,000 people there. So the first three games, and I'm guessing the was pretty similar in Minnesota. Okay. So, you know, 40,000 seats times $60 a seat times 0.85 times 0.5, okay? Yeah, yep. Um, and, and they they got 2.7. Now, in game four, they didn't have to share with the players. Okay. And then they divide by two. The the Twins and Astros divide what's yep. left over by two, regardless it. Yep. of where it's at. They split it down the middle. That's the point. Game four, they made two to two and a half million, somewhere in there, okay? So, for the divisional round, the Astros made something like four or five million dollars. All right. Okay. The ALCS in the World Series is different. <clears throat> the the Major League Baseball still gets eighty five percent of that cut. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, fifteen percent of the cut. Okay. okay? Yeah. The first four games, the players get paid sixty percent of the game. Ooh, really. And then nothing in the last three. So the first four games combined, the Astros and Rangers made about $10 million. And my math on that is 40,000 seats times $180 was sort of my ticket price, right? Now, they have to give season ticket holders ticket prices that are sort of reasonable. But the stuff that doesn't go to the season ticket holders, when you try to log on, 
there's another probably ten or twelve thousand tickets that aren't season ticket holders. Yeah, they sell those on the secondary market, and they're selling those for like three hundred dollars or something like that. Sure, on on the secondary market, right? So the the Astros Rangers World Series went seven games. They didn't have to play the ga- players for games five, six, and seven, right? Fourteen million dollars to each team on those last three games. Okay, so the Astros made about twenty five million. Now the World Series that starts to get serious money, it's about three hundred dollars a ticket average price there, sure. right? So if you get a sure. seven game World Series, if you get a seven game World Series, you know they're making somewhere on the order of forty or fifty million. Yeah. Wow. The teams, right? Now, if you only go four games or five games, the players are getting more money than the owners in the sure, sweep. Sure. Right? And if it goes five games because the players get 60 and the owners get 40 on the games one, two, three, and four, and then nothing, I mean, the owners barely make more than the players on five game series. Yeah. Six or seven, the owners start to really get over on the players and start to make a lot more money than goes into that. Okay. So the Astros last year made, um, like twenty million dollars, uh, twenty-five million in their playoff run. Okay. Yep. Radio, I've got like five million. Okay. I added that all up, and I put spring training revenue. You know, spring training is expensive now. Oh yeah, it's very expensive. It's like thirty or forty dollars a ticket. I mean, they're making they're making a couple million on spring training, right? I added all up. I got three hundred and seventy-five million. Now I was using fifty million instead of the seventy-three million they got. Okay, okay. so if you add that in, that's three hundred and ninety-eight million when I ran the books. I looked it up on Forbes, and they've got it four hundred and seven million. So I was okay. within eight million dollars from what Forbes has. Now Forbes is not the God's gospel truth, right? They're, they're, they're just, estimating also. They're they're estimating also, but that meant that I passed the reality test. Yeah, okay? for sure, for sure. All right, it's a legitimate so estimate. We're in the right we're in the right ballpark, and that's how they make their money. Okay, national TV deal or from most oh, important to yeah. least important ticket sales, national TV deal, local TV deal, uh, concessions. No, I'm sorry, sponsorships, then yeah. concessions, then in store merchandise, then regular merchandise, and then um, radio, and then spring training. Okay. And then any kind of playoff, any kind of playoff is sort revenue. of the deeper yeah. you get, sort of the more more meaningful it is, right? Yeah. Um, so that's where we get there. So, you know, our ticket sales, look, our ticket sales aren't as good as the Yankees or the Dodgers. They got a higher blended average ticket price, right? But we draw almost as many fans. Yeah. So we're doing almost as well there. Where they just kick our butts is, you know, we're getting 50 million, they're getting 195 million. And that's just the rights fees plus the ownership right. of the Dodgers, right? Three hundred and forty million. You know, our our local TV deal is twenty five percent of our payroll, and that works out pretty well. The typical team spends twenty two or twenty three percent. The Dodgers can go into that like they can get all the way to the luxury tax, and they're not, and they're at like, I'm sorry, so payroll is 4x to 5x whatever your local tv revenue right. is right, right, and, the, right and the dodgers are like at parity and the yankees are like yeah. parity yeah so they've got way more money to spend in that sense if you do it on that okay so the astros are bringing in 400 million want to talk about expenses at andrew yeah We're just talking so, about revenue so the 400 million is annual revenue 
projected yep. based on 2023. Um, yep. But yeah, that's so. So that was the that's the logical kind of next question is. So that, that was that, that doesn't upon, all go to that doesn't all go right. to pay the to, to player payroll, right? That's right. We're we're gonna get to that. So expenses to run it. The biggest expense you nailed it off the bat. Players, payroll, right? Yeah. The Astros, two hundred twenty million is what it looks like will probably be at player salary, right? Yeah. Now you're like, hey, the the luxury taxes. 237 million. Why do people say the Astros are over the luxury tax? Andrew, if you've ever run a, on a business, you know mm-hmm. that benefits are a real son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. That's your FICA when you got to play the employer side of that. That's your health insurance. That's all that stuff, right? What's the, what's the current kind of multiplier for adding in? Seventeen million. It's not a multiplier because they assign every team sort of the same thing. Oh, it's okay. not payroll based. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's like gotcha. seventeen million. Oh, that's also retirement, right? Baseball players have an incredible pension. yeah pension plan, right? <clears throat> so that all goes to that. Everyone passes the hat and everyone throws in seventeen million. There's also one more thing that there's also two more things that everyone does. Everyone subsidizes Major League Baseball in the office. This is the cal- the commissioner's salary. Everyone sure. works at MLB, all that. Yeah. Everyone throws in $5 million on that. So a flat, the, a flat the corporate million. office, the corporate okay. Major League office is working off a payroll of $150 million to be the administrator okay. of, of Major League Baseball. That seems like a lot to me. What do you think? Um, I mean, at first blush, sure. But I'm I'm also a little surprised. I guess I'm not surprised that it's it's a flat fee across that's consistent across all clubs. That's interesting, though. I would have thought it might be a little <clears throat> progressive, but so here's the other. So here's where it gets really progressive: mm-hmm. revenue sharing. Yeah. Do you know how revenue sharing works? Not I just re- learned this not today. Really. Not really. No, I know that it's it's you not. Hear- yeah. Go ahead. You always hear Team it. X owed fifteen million or twenty million in revenue. Yeah, sharing, right. Yeah, it's not how it is. It's not how it actually works. I mean, it, it sort of works that way, but only after a fashion. Okay. Uh huh. Every team kicks in forty eight percent of their local revenue. This is ticket sales, mm-hmm. not playoff revenue, concessions, sponsorship. Okay. Local TV deals, yeah, radio deals, all that stuff. Every team kicks in 48% of their local money. And then they all draw an equal 3.3 share out of that total revenue gets thrown in a pot. Okay. Okay. And then that all gets dispersed equally to the team. So I had the Astros at fifty million in local TV, one hundred ninety in ticket sales. That's two hundred forty. Uh, two fifty with the merchandise. Two, basically about three hundred million, so, three hundred ten million between the the concessions, the sponsorships, the radios, all that. I, I'm so, betting it's about three hundred ten million. Okay. Uh, hold on, on that, huh. just so I'm clear. Based on what you're saying, then. It's it's fair to say that some teams uh, come out ahead from the yeah, from the sharing, right. and some teams take a take a hit from the sharing from the revenue. Yeah. So actually, I'm sorry, two hundred ninety million. Excuse okay. me, two hundred ninety okay. million. Okay, 
yeah. times 0.48. So that means the Astros threw in $139,000 or $139 million okay. in their local revenue deal, okay? Yeah. Their disbursement out was somewhere yeah. around $115 million. Okay, so, th- so the Astros, that would make sense. They're on the side that is actually... That's right. They threw in more because maybe isn't the right word. Right. They come out behind. The Yankees are throwing in, you know, the Yankees are throwing in 250 million. The Astros are throwing in 139 million. Yeah, the A's right. are throwing in 8 million. Right. right? Exactly. So, something like that. The Tampa yeah. Bay Devil race, right? Right. So, you know, everyone gets the same disbursement. So it's not like the Astros are actually writing a subsidy to the Marlins. You always hear, I, I always heard yeah. Astros paid the tax and, and the 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 the, the, the raise, you know, got forty million. No, they didn't yeah. get like a check for forty million. Right, right. They threw in seventy and collected a hundred and ten million dollars yeah, share. Exactly. So it works out the same, but every year, so you know, no one knows how much money that's going to be. Sure. Until yeah. they do the books and the accounting on all that. So that was pretty fascinating. Yeah. So I've got you know two hundred and twenty million for payroll, benefits of seventeen million. And then the number three, I'm sorry, number four was revenue sharing, which I thought was fascinating. It's about 25 million. Okay. Yeah. Number three, stadium operations. Yeah. This your employees, your lights, your power, all that utilities, all of it. Yep. Maintenance. Five hundred thousand a game. Yeah, that that's actually not super surprising. I, it was a little bigger than I thought. So forty-five million dollars for the Astros, yeah, to run the stadium. Does that include? I think it probably does not. Does that include things like I don't know, property taxes, county taxes, the like those kinds of things as well, or is that a separate line item? I don't know on. The, I don't know on that exactly. I think it probably includes that. I think it probably yeah. includes like stadium rent and or, yeah. you know if you got to pay rent, if you got to pay anything like that. Sure. The numbers between two hundred and six hundred thousand, by the way. You know, the fewer fans you draw, the sort of the less promotion, the the yeah. less staff you have to have, the less you sure. know, all that. So, yeah. I, you know, I put the Astros on the upper end at five hundred grand. I'm, I'm betting they, and that's going to include your taxes and stuff like that. Sure. That's also including your salaries on your season ticket holders. Or, I mean, your season ticket sales guys and stuff you, like yeah, that. Yeah, your staff, okay. right? So that that's going in on all that. They're you know the bigger the staff you have, the sort of the higher your per cost, and they just divide that yeah, when they figure that, that out. Okay. Okay, so that's about forty five million. And then the revenue sharing number was $25 million. Okay, so we got $220 and another $20 is $240. Again, these are real rough numbers. Sure. $45 and $25, right? So that's $70 and $240 is $310 million, okay? Yep. On-field staff for the Astros, we do not have a real highly paid manager or anything like that. That's your, you know, we've kind of gone cheap with that. First-time manager. Yeah. Your hitting staff, your trainers and all that. I've got that at about $10 million. I've got the nerd cave at about $10 million. There's 60 people in the nerd cave. Okay. Yeah. And I'm also counting your general manager and stuff like that. Like your GM's making two or 3 million probably. Right. Sure. And your, your, your sort of entry level staffers making 40,000 or something like that. Yeah. And your head of your department's making probably two or 300,000. Right. Sure. I don't know how close this is, but I, I mean, I'm talking about just general size of staff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm betting they spend about 10 million on the nerd cave. It sounds reasonable. scouting. The Astros are starting to spend more money on scouting. 
Um, area scout makes about 70,000, uh, or I'm sorry, an area scout makes about 50,000. The guy over that's like kind of your cross checker. The guy over that makes about 75, sort of your head of your region makes 120. You're probably your director of scouting probably makes, <laughs> they're up to like 30 people in the department. I'm going to guess about $5 million yeah. somewhere in there. The Astros draft pool was eight million, and their international pool is five million. Okay, so that's like thirteen million in sort of minor league player acquisition cost. So this tells you how important it is to get homegrown guys, right? Because oh, yeah. you're spending the entire you know draft, your entire draft and international spending pool for the Astros is you know the price of Montero to pick on someone that makes thirteen million. Yeah, right. I yeah, mean, you exactly. can buy Raphael. You can buy everyone you sign for the year in amateur ball and other professional leagues for the same price as, as one seventh or eighth inning reliever. Okay. Wow. By far the lowest price and bang for your buck. Okay. This, these, they spend 2.25 million on minor league salaries. Okay. 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 This is, I, I gotta think this is wrong, man, because I saw this and I just didn't believe it. They say that they spend about two million on travel, okay, and that's eight hundred on flying, three hundred and fifty thousand on hotels. That doesn't sound right to me. Andrew. Awfully low. There's like that's that's way low because they charter everywhere, right? And they, they yeah. five star hotels. Yeah, you got ninety nights on the road. You got yeah. forty hotel rooms per person. Okay. That would work out to like $90 a hotel room. These are five-star hotel rooms. Yeah. I'm sure they get a little bit of a deal, but I don't think it's that much. I'll bet you it's I'll bet you it's closer. Like I read this online. I'll bet you this is someone that didn't have this right. I'll bet you it's closer to like three or four million in the travel. Andrew, guys yeah. get $120 a day per diem. Just look at all the people on the per diem on a road. That's over a million dollars in just meal money. Yeah, because they're on the road a long time, right? To to everyone on their staff and all that, right? You add that all up, and I got like three hundred and fifty-five million, and I had us at revenues at four hundred million. I went and looked, and Forbes had us at four hundred seven and three sixty-three for a profit of forty-four million. I had us at forty-five million. I was ten grand, ten million lower. On yeah. the revenue estimates, and I was ten million dollars wider on the expense revenue. That's so, good estimating. I mean, Dave. is there an expense? Is there an expense I forgot about somewhere? Maybe I think I've covered all the sort of big, big ones, all the all the major ones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I know the players believe the owners make just hundreds of millions of dollars. And I don't believe that. I know the owners claim they don't make any money and I don't believe that. I'm, I'm perfectly willing to say that, you know, maybe we made 20 million last year and maybe we made 60 million last year. I don't know, yeah. but it's, it's, it's a number North of zero, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Here's my complaint. All right. About the economics of baseball and Jim Crane. Mm-hmm. Andrew, what would you do if someone told you they bought Apple stock in 1985 and they're still holding it right now and then bitched about the fact that it didn't pay a dividend? <laughs> I would probably laugh. I would laugh at them. And I mean, you probably want to punch them in the face yeah, if you're being you, serious, right? Yeah, you would definitely right? be annoyed with like the 
goal. Like what an asshole. Yeah. What yeah. an absolute dickhead. You bought Microsoft, you bought Apple, and now you're complaining because they didn't pay a dividend. Yeah. That's not the point, dumb dumb. It's not the, the point. The point dumb, is dumb. the capital appreciation. Yeah. Okay, so I'm in the mortgage business, right? Whenever someone talks to me about wanting to be a landlord, I say, what's your purpose in this? What are you doing? Yeah. And when they tell me cash flow, I'm like, eh, wrong answer. Like, th that's not a good answer, especially when interest rates are 7.5% for a uh, – I mean, interest rates are probably down to 6 and a quarter right now, 65 for the right borrower. But they're higher for an they're investment high. property, so they're like 7.5%. Yeah. You can't cash flow a house anymore, Andrew. Right. So right. why is it still not a terrible idea to buy a house as an investment property? Because in 20 years, yeah. that house appreciates. And what you right. bought for 200, for 200,000, I'm talking about Houston area and this is Houston suburbs, baby. Sure. You know, someone else stays there and pays the mortgage down. And 20 years from now, you owe 50,000 on that mortgage. How much is your house going to be worth? 400,000, 500,000, yeah. something like that, right? right? So that's an asset that you bought for, let's say you put 20% down, you bought mm -hmm. for $40,000, mm -hmm. you know, and all of a sudden you you turn a $360,000 profit when you sell it, right? Yeah. And you haven't paid out along the way right. because you're not making any money. You're just not losing your ass every right. year, right? That's right. Capital appreciation. Andrew, what, what did Jim Crane buy the Astros for? Um, I don't know, but significantly less, presumably, than what the franchise is valued at now. Uh, allegedly, like six hundred and twenty million, but then he got a big rebate for going over the uh, over to the from yeah. the National League to the American League. He That's took right. that blood money yeah. and it worked out to like five hundred and fifty million. What do you think the Astros are worth right now? Double that. Wrong. Forbes has them at two point three billion. Really, the next franchise that doesn't sell for more than Forbes lists so that because look there's a tax we know who Jim Crane is we know who Tillman Fertitta is we know who um the McNair family is right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. are that are, is that because of the richest people in Houston no. no it's because they own a public trust sure right this is a super exclusive club there's only 90 franchises that anyone gives a shit about. I'm not counting NHL or MLS sure. or anything like that. No one cares about that. I'm talking about America. Yeah. So if you want to make your uh, – there's a lot more than 100 ultra-mega rich guys, sure. right? Sure. But there's only 100 spots in the club that everyone yeah. knows your name. I knew who Matt Ishbia was. The, he's the president of, uh, of the owner of United Wholesale Mortgage, right? Because I'm in the mortgage business. So I knew who he was. And most people in the mortgage business does. No one else knew. Then he bought the Phoenix Suns. <clears throat> He's having a press conference trading for Kevin Durant. And all yeah. of a sudden, everyone that cares about the NBA knows who he is. Yeah. Now, there's a lot less sports fans than than regular people. As yeah. we talked about, it, it's less of a big deal. But there's way more sports fans than mortgage brokers, man. I mean, that's a, sure. that, right. that's a, yeah. a huge... You know, Ispia's Q rating goes up a thousandfold on people that know him, right? Yeah. And and that's sort of a public-facing business, right? Sure. Uh, mortgages, you know, you, you get a guy like Crane in the logistics. No one knows who Jim Crane is before he cashes that check. And by the way, Crane's got a bunch of other minority owners and people that finance, and they also use debt service to finance this. I mean, Crane might have come out of his pocket with as little as – 
fifty million dollars, something like that. Yeah. Okay. But, sure. You know, by the time you debt service the the franchise, I didn't have debt service on there because I'm just not counting that. I got that as sure. part of appreciation, right? Yeah. You know, you let's say you threw three or three or four hundred million in debt on there, right? And let's say, um, you know, his the other owners, there's like 23 owners of the Astros. Okay. Yeah. Let's say they threw in 60%. I mean, Crane's in for like 50 million of his own money. You know, if he sells for 2.5 and they retire the debt service, that's like 2.2. He collects, let's say a million. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, a billion. He was in for 50 of his own million. He 20 X his investment. Sure. With his leverage. Yeah. It, that's a little bit more sophisticated. Let's just say he rolled up and paid cash for it, all cash on the barrel head himself. Sure. And paid five hundred and fifty million. You know, he sold it for two point five billion. He five X'd his investment. He twenty yeah. X'd his, you know, he twenty X'd his actual thing, right? Yeah. And he bought this in two thousand and ten. Right. That's the dude that's bitching about Microsoft not paying a dividend. Man, that's beside the point, Jimbo. Yeah. Right. Don't be a tightwad. No one wants to hear you say, I can't afford to patch the hole yeah. in left field. Because you know what? You can. You could off you could make zero dollars. You could lose 10 million. You could lose 20 million. Of course. And it's a public trust, yeah. right? Because right. you know what? If you win another World Series, Andrew, is that gonna raise or lower the value of the Astros, you think? I would think that would raise the value. Do you think it'll raise it? More? Let's say he lost twenty million, which he's not going to. Let's say he went out and did what we wanted him to do and signed Blake Snell without and Josh Hader without trading anyone away. Yeah. And let's say with the loss in TV revenue money, he went from making forty million to now he's losing twenty million. Okay. Let's just say. Let's just yeah. say. Yeah. If we actually go to the World Series, he'd make that back. You yeah, know, yeah. we missed out on our World Series payroll. Okay. Yeah. If we didn't go to the World Series and we lost twenty million, but you know you had another super strong year financially and you have more mind share and you've won the hearts and minds of more fans, yeah, that's going to raise the value of that franchise more than twenty million dollars. Having a good successful team, right? Yep. Along with just the freaking cost of inflation, right? Sure. And you know what? Even if it doesn't, even if it doesn't raise the value, I don't care. That means when he sells it. Instead of making a two billion dollar profit, he makes a one point nine eight billion dollar profit. Yeah, I'm supposed to care about that, dude. I'm supposed to believe he's got his minions out there crying poverty because of the TV revenue deals. Yeah, I mean, look, I here's the one thing I'll say in Crane's defense. Okay, I don't want to talk about both sides of my mouth. Jim Crane is very poor compared to the other people sitting in that room, right? Sure. I mean, Jim Crane is, I, you know, Jim Crane barely passed the sort of stress test for ownership, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Jim Crane was probably, the, the vast majority of Jim Crane's net worth now is probably in the Astros, okay? You've got, I'm going to a different sport. You got Steve Ballmer. Oh, hey. let's stay with, the, let's just stay with baseball. You got Cohen, who's yeah. worth sixteen billion with a B, sure. owning the Mets, and that's outside of his Mets. That's outside of his Mets earnings, right? Yeah. He could buy and spend Jim Crane twenty times over. Sure. Right. It's like if I go out 
to eat with, um, you know, I'm in middle management. I drive a Dodge Stratus. That Will Ferrell sketch from Saturday Night Live. Oh, right, yeah. If, if I'm taking the the girl that goes out to my, um, that that does my mailings and, and keeps track of my mailing list and stuff like that, that, that makes $15 an hour. If we go out to dinner together, I'm going to pick up the check, right? Yes. I mean, if Jim Crane, because it's just the, yes. the wealth dynamics are such that I, sure. I'd be an asshole if I didn't, right? Yes. If Jim Crane is eating out with his fellow Major League Baseball owners, they're picking up the check. You know, they, they feel kind of bad for him, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, he does not have that money that the rest of Major League Baseball has that a lot of the other owners have. Um, and your capital appreciation, you know, in, in my line of work, you talk about like, oh, I don't want to be house poor, right? I mean, it's great that your assets going up in value, yeah. but you can't spend equity in your house at the grocery store, right? right? That's right. So, you know, Jim Crane duh, and, you know, our TV deal just sucks compared to some of the people, right? right. Even at 73 million, it wasn't great. Yep. At 50 million, it's, it's, you know, it's worse than worse. The, yeah. it's worse than the St. Louis Cardinals by far. It's worse than the Colorado Rockies if they don't yeah. go out of business. If if their RSN doesn't go bankrupt, right? Yeah. I mean, right. it's hard to keep track of whose RSN is bankrupt and whose isn't right now, right? Yeah. So there are some very real things that are a constraint on Jim's on Jim Crane's payroll. So I, I don't want to absolutely kill him, but I also don't want to let him off the hook too easily, man. I, I also don't want to just take it face value that like he can't afford. Like, I mean, if we have to trade, let's pick someone. Do we have anyone that makes $5 million or something? We're right now 500,000 over the, over the cap. Okay. Yeah. Over the luxury tax. Now that if, if we have to trade Kendall Graveman at all-star break and throw in a prospect to get out of that salary, to get under the, the tax, I mean, I'm going to be like, what are we doing? Like, yeah. really? We, we had to trade away this $3 million so that we could avoid paying a little bit of the tax? Yeah. I, I mean, it's like, that's nickels and dimes, man, so that you can make $40 million instead of $35 million. Like, I'm not okay with that. That yeah. sucks. And I will welcome you going ahead and sell, selling the team if that's the mindset, right? Yeah. Now, right. here's the problem. It's... It's the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. And Jim Crane's not a devil. I'm not saying that. No, I, most of the owners in Houston history have been worse than him, right? There are other yes. owners that are more free spending than him. He made great hire with Luno. It looks like he made a pretty good hire with Click. And, you know, the the to be determined on, da on Dana Brown, right? And that's probably the most important hires he made. The, the The single most important thing he did with the franchise was hiring Jeff Luna and turning it over, okay? Yeah. The second most important thing he did was when the team became good, he spent in a reasonable window. Yes. Okay? We, we spent enough to win a couple World Series and to go to the other stuff, right? What, what we didn't spend enough to do, though, was we didn't even spend up to the tax line. Yeah, we left... $60 million between us and the tax in 2017. And then 2022, we left something like $40 million. Yeah. And that was with Justin Verlander being yep. on the disabled list and him collecting a lot of insurance on that. Right? right. I mean, we didn't even come close to the tax. At least now we're butting up against the tax. 
even though that apparently is a line in the sand. So this all started because agents are saying the Astros are telling everyone they don't have any money, right? Crane will always tell you we got money for the right player, but then the right player never materializes, right? Yeah. Um, we, we know who the right player isn't, and that's that's any kind of reliever, any kind of like basically there is no right player because if it's the right player that moves the needle in free agency, they get eight or ten million dollars, eight or ten years, and we don't do eight or ten million, eight right. or ten year deals, right. right? Yeah. And if it's a if it's a thirteen million dollar player like Jock Peterson, two for twenty six or something, you want a Jock, right? Um, yeah. then that is a guy that just doesn't move the needle enough to go over into the luxury sure. tax, right? right. So, so it's a, a no-win kind of thing, yeah. It's a no-spend, and he's never spent right. in the luxury tax, right? The one year that he went, you know, $2.88 over was 2020, <laughs> and they suspended the the luxury yeah. tax because of the, the pandemic, right? Right. So, you know, I don't expect us to be spending in the tax. He's out there telling everyone that uh will listen hey we we're running out on this this revenue of of this deal so we can't spend bottom line he's not wrong he's not lying he's still doing very very well Astros fans are holding their end of the deal by buying by you know three million people by yep. watching on TV, yep. by buying the merchandise, by going to Minute Maid Park and buying the $26 doubles scotches <laughs> or the $20 for a 24-ounce beer, um, all that stuff. The Astros fans are, are doing their part. The players are doing their part. And, and Crane is sort of doing his part, but he's certainly not like covering himself in glory is what I'd say. I mean, I yeah. give him a – I give him – in his hiring of general managers, I'll give him an A plus for Luno, an A minus for for Click, and an incomplete for Dana sure. Brown. And, and those yeah. are the most important things, right? Yeah. Um, you know, number two is spending the money, putting your money where your mouth is. I'll give him a B plus. Yeah. yeah. I just want an A, That's Andrew. Fair. I just I, I want an A. I want someone to spend until they lose money on the deal. Because it's an appreciating asset and it's a public trust. And it's a lot of fun to win, Andrew. And it's a lot easier to win if you spend. I do like winning. If if you buy really good players, right? Yes. So that's a lot. That's a lot that we just unpacked. We just explained the rise and fall of the regional sports network. We explained, you know, the atomization of what was once monoculture. And then we walked through all the revenues and all the expenses. And talked about that in the grand scheme of things. So hopefully, if you listen to this, and I'm, I, I hope people really enjoyed this and really liked it. Yeah. I enjoyed learning this stuff. Did you enjoy hearing some of this stuff? I mean, yeah, no, I, I did because, like you said, it always is this sort of opaque conversation around. You know, this has been going on for years, right? It's not new. You have owners complaining that they're not even they're not breaking even, right? Right on. Yep. Uh, on their on their revenue to expense side and and it's just kind of this mystery of not really even people who follow the sport closely not really having that much of a concept of how much these teams actually clear dude even the revenue sharing was interesting i just assumed you got a bill or whatever like i had no idea how they come up with that i didn't know they all threw 48 percent of their local stuff into a pot Super interesting, yeah. Um, and and how the playoffs work and where the playoff shares come from. And I'm stunned how the that concessions I think work and the that merchandising, was, man. 
that was the most surprising thing I think that you that you uh, laid out was the way that the I had no idea the players took such a chunk of playoff revenue. How about the merchandising? Five billion in recent retail yeah, sales. That's interesting. Billion per team, right? I mean, that's that's pretty yeah, fascinating. It is. I thought. I, I hope you I guys, did, no. I think it is. I hope no, you guys enjoyed all this. I had no idea how this worked, but um, no, good stuff, Gabe. I appreciate you pulling that together, and uh, I think we'll be referencing this conversation quite a bit as we <laughs> as we navigate the off season and um, any potential moves that the Astros are you know, probably won't make. But I'm going to turn this into like probably four or five fan posts on crawfish boxes. Okay. I don't think anyone reads the fan post or anything like that, but well, they should um, read this one. Hopefully, they do, and maybe yeah. if we write, if we do a good enough job writing, they'll they'll decide to take us on as writers, right? If if, if I, I mean, can't convince them to do that, then maybe I'll start my own blog, right? Yeah, I, I want to write, Andrew. We, we talked about this. We we want to write. I'm an excellent writer, Gabe. Uh, so I think I can help out there too. I can crank out a lot of words in rough draft format. I, I, I don't ever polish anything up beyond rough draft. I'm, I'm really good at providing a rough draft that's like 90% of what a paper should be, like off the top of my head, because I think in outline form. I yeah. just don't ever do that. Like, this is funny. In, in law school, uh, you get a minus, a check, or a check plus. And in legal research and writing, I was getting like, deck almost plus and like progressively she'd be like this is really good this is really insightful this is well written you know you need to work on your blue booking your blue booking is how you cite cases right yeah and then by the end of the day by the end of the semester i'm getting like check minuses and she's writing in capital letters for the love of god learn how to blue book this is absurd you're doing really good writing, but could you run it through spell check and could you actually learn how to do a blue book? This is this is ridiculous. And it's just ridiculous, like, nope, Gabe. What's not going to do you? it. Not, not going to get not going to get more than a rough draft out of me. <laughs> so right, that'll well, uh, w- with your zest for perfectionism, I think yeah. we can put out some <laughs> some some high quality products as long as you have Absolutely. the uh, the editorial hammer so to speak. And you can like bring, cut through my, you can be concise and cut through my nonsense. I will bring the editorial hammer and I, I will enjoy cutting through your nonsense. Um, yeah, well, we'll, we'll do that. So if you're listening, like we will definitely let you know uh, when these are up and published so you can go read them as well. Uh, and, and get a, yet another media uh, that you can consume from Gabe and I and that's right. So, um, you know, a little housekeeping. Uh, so today was going to be, a, I promised, maybe a special episode. I think this episode was pretty special. It wasn't what I had in mind. Um, yeah. We're going to save that for the new year. Uh, by the way, he got back to me, and we're going to do that over the new year. Yeah. So uh, we got that. In the meantime, we've got Chris, a special Christmas episode. It's going to drop at 12.01 a.m. on Christmas, Christmas Day. <laughs> um, so we're excited about that. I think that's going to, I think that might be the most fun episode other than maybe pointing and laughing at the Rangers when we went through Arlington, like Sherman marching to the sea. Um, that was a, that was a fun podcast. It was. Um, so, you know, I, I think Christmas is going to be a really fun podcast or Christmas episode. Maybe it'll suck. I don't know. Um, but I've got high hopes right now. <laughs> There's and always that possibility, off. Gabe. We're going to have our first week off 
for New Year's, and then we'll be back on the 8th or the 9th, hopefully celebrating yeah. the Texas National Championship. Gabe, you're going to be back by the time the game is played in Houston, correct? I, I will. I'll be back by the 6th, I want to say. All right. So if if we can get by Washington, you and I, I, I will be uh, – I'll be hitting you up. My mom claims that uh, that I'll be able to get texts and messages on the on on board the cruise ship with the new internet packages. We always get them in port, so I mean you can go ahead and text me. Does that um, mean? And at some point in time, I'll get in the port and it'll show up. But uh, she claims I'll be able to actually receive phone calls when we're out in the middle of the Gulf, and that's during the Washington game. Uh, yeah, I'll be watching that on TV. Thankfully, they do have uh, on the new ship. I'm going on the second voyage ever of this ship. Wow. Um, and they have a sports bar, and the Facebook page says, Yes, we know that the boat's leaving from Galveston. We know there's a ton of Longhorn fans. We know that the game's on January 1st. Don't worry, this TV, this will be up here, here, we got here, you here, covered. And here. Okay. Yeah, so Good. we got you covered. So I am going to okay. see the game. You know, unless it goes into a rainstorm or something like that, um, where it like blots out satellite coverage or something like that. Um, but right. thank you, Elon Musk. I guess uh, they they're using his special satellites, and allegedly, uh, I'll be able to get a phone call, but um, not the kind of data to be able to do a podcast. Got it. So uh, we'll miss out on that, but we'll be back hopefully celebrating a Texas national title on the ninth. That would be something. Um, yeah, All right. without well, a doubt. Well, Gabe, it's been fun, and uh, we will do it again in a few days, and we'll have that Christmas Day episode one week from today. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good night, Gabe. Later, brother.